Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune, covering breaking news and current events as it pertains to Bible prophecy. In effect, chronicling the coming of Christ the King. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune this September the 16th, 2017. Ladies and gentlemen, the news has literally been boiling since our last broadcast. Massive sunspots and huge solar flares uh, this week. We've had so many things off the charts. Um, St. Louis is exploding as yet we've had lawlessness displayed again. Uh, this cop gunned down an innocent man. They, of course, acquitted him. Uh, they do this every single time. And it's just amazing uh, what is going on out there. Um We've had uh, uh, much trouble in Iceland this week as their government uh, coalition collapsed due to pedophiles, uh, which should have been a surprise to nobody. Um, absolutely trips me out uh, that uh, they have eradicated, they have aborted all the Down syndrome babies, so I'm sure they have a lot more on their plate coming uh, their way, but uh, ladies and gentlemen, even the wildfires, it was reported this week that a record 2.8 billion has been thrown at these fires to no avail. Came out in the New York Times, they gave a, a shot from orbit literally the Northwest just burns, and the smoke is just going in, uh, across the United States. Uh, Hurricane Jose, its cone of impact may very well be New York City. There is just no stopping the frontal barrage of end-time biblical prophetic news coming out. Take note that I'm sure that Clinton will talk about China declaring war on cryptocurrencies as that entire thing begins to collapse now because, well, you've heard all three of us talk about the new Silk Road, the One Belt, One Road. That is going to happen. This is going to happen. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are… Uh, just days away from the equinox and our descent into darkness. Are you ready? As for we, your host, Clinton Co-Watch, Brian Ingram, and Matthew Miller, we have the steeds ready. Their hooves claw at the dirt, just itching 
someone to pull that start gun trigger. Why are you going to pull those pistols and whistle Dixie? Let's ride.
Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to the End Time Tribune. It is a great honor and privilege to be here with you tonight. Uh, let's get Clinton on straight away and uh, get his take on the news this week because, oh my goodness, it's been all over the place this week. Uh, Clinton, how you been doing this week, and uh, what's your thoughts on the uh, news cycle for this past seven days? Well, uh, you know, this week has been actually a pretty trying week. Um, but, I mean, just focusing on what's going on in the world, and, and it's it's getting crazy. Um, you know, it's, we knew it was going to have a buildup, but, uh, uh, you know, what's happening with North Korea, what's happening with all the earthquakes are happening, the hurricanes, the Kurdish state vote is coming up, the U.N. General Assembly, uh, China, Iran, I mean, you name it, it's going on right now, and it's it's crazy. It has been absolutely nuts. Um, Brian is not on the switchboard yet. I'm not sure if he's having difficulties, or, but I'm sure he will be along straight away. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, he's got some things that uh, we have to talk about tonight because, once again – we warned something was coming, and, well, that exactly happened. The only problem was is that uh, we can only find it out of one source. They've been keeping it pretty quiet. So this should be interesting indeed. Um, well, Clinton, why don't you get right in the saddle and uh, start with your news diatribe, bud? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm not really sure how to – kind of start this, but uh, I want to spend a little bit of time talking about um, the buildup that's going on within the United States uh, socially. Um, and, and what I mean by that is is the uh, racist undertones that are developing, that are impacting, you know, the mass qualities of people across the, the United States. And, I mean, we, we can look at, you know, the monuments being taken down, you know, the Confederate monuments. We, we can look at the protests, the Antifa, the alt-right that's rising, um, how they're clashing with each other. The, the um, recent acquittal of the police officer in St. Louis um, for the, um, you know, shooting, uh, if you would call that, of a, of a black individual, black male. Um, and, and this this case is very interesting for the sheer fact that the police officer was caught on on video, basically on audio, saying he was going to kill the guy. Um, walks up there, shoots him five times, and then there's even evidence or speculation that he planted a gun afterwards, and he still was acquitted. So we, as a society, have been told that. Um, that unfortunately uh, individuals within the police uh, departments or the police system um, can get away with whatever they want to. And, and uh, this, if it's true or not, um, it is a police structure that is out there and it is being shown more and more, especially when it comes to individuals uh, that are, uh, uh, that are not white, um, that are, you know, Brown basically. Um, and, and what's happening here in St. Louis and the protests, I mean, these, these protests are getting very, very violent. Um, there was nine police officers that were sent to the, you know, that were injured. Um, there was, uh, you know, protesters going into a mall and chanting and causing the YouTube concert to, uh, be canceled. Um, it, it's, 
it's it's kind of a a foreshadowing, unfortunately, um, of what we're going to encounter. And the reason I say this is, well, what have we done recently as a as a country? Is we have made it to where the police departments can actually legally buy more military gra- military grade weapons to use to enforce laws within our country. Well, if we are afraid of these laws are not necessarily going to be enforced in the proper way, then we're putting weapons into people's hands that may not be, it may not lead to the right direction. And this is, this is evident of all of the police cases that have come out, you know, here, especially in the last year, I know that it's been happening for a long time and that's why we had the rise in the civil rights movements. We can even go back into slavery time. We can, we can look at all these things, but in the last year it's escalated drastically. Ferguson was hit. Ferguson is right outside of St. Louis. It's a, it's a suburb of St. Louis or part of St. Louis. Now we have another incident in St. Louis. St. Louis is like a hotbed of racism to begin with. Um, I mean, if you know anything about the history of St. Louis, it's, it's not a very um, tolerant place of, of different ethnicities. It's, it's a place that is, is kind of you know, built around racism, unfortunately. And, and now that we have these flare-ups happening again, I mean, we, we saw what happened at Ferguson, and then we have another incident of that happening in St. Louis, and we have protests coming from it. And we're going to militarize our police even more. So this is this is growing. This is stemming. This is something that is going to be something that we as a society and, and our children, you know, are are going to have to encounter. And I was hoping that our children would not have to encounter this anytime soon. Um, but but I was wrong. Um, there's a heartbreaking story that came out of New Hampshire this week, and you know. We, the mixing of uh, races, you know, biracial children, I believe, are beautiful. Um, biracial children are wonderful, and and I think that they should be uh, tolerated, and they should be loved, and they should be part of society, and, and all everyone should have a place in society where everyone is loved. Everyone has the opportunity to grow. Um, this this news story came out of New Hampshire. There was a, a biracial uh, eight-year-old boy and his 11-year-old sister. And uh, they're they're playing in the neighborhood. There were some teenage kids that you know, so older kids that were um, you know playing around and and start you know throwing rocks at them or sticks and calling racial slurs and and you know that you know that just kind of happened for a while and the, and then kids became kids and they started playing with each other and well the the kids you know they took a, a rope off of a a, a tree. Um, you know, like the tire swing that they had on the tree. And they were standing on top of a picnic table. And one by one, the, the little white boys, there was four of them, um, put the rope around their neck and pretended to hang themselves. Um, and then they finally did to the little eight-year-old boy. The, the only difference is once they put the noose around his neck, they kicked him off of the, off of the picnic table and watched and saw him struggle. To the point that his 11-year-old daughter had, or 11-year-old sister had to run up there, yell at the boys, and get him off. Um, My my heart goes out to 
to what our society is going to encounter, what our society is encountering. There's no place for this. And, and there's no, these teenagers, I mean, that's a, that's a hate crime. That, that's a plain hate crime. And, and that is no tolerance in our society. But we, we are tolerating it on, on a massive scale, either from the, the present, not talking against hate groups, or you know, condemning one versus the other instead of saying all oh, hate groups are bad. But this is impacting our children to the point that our children are committing hate crimes. And it's saddening to hear and saddening to see, but, but this is where we are at. This is where we are. And, and if, if St. Louis is an indication of what is coming, you know, God be with us. That That's the best that I can say. Um, you know, and, and that that's just one little tidbit. I mean, you, you look at what happened after Hurricane Irma. Um, this is the U.S. Virgin Islands. So they are, uh, you know, basically U.S. territory. Um, and Hurricane Irma took out most of the supplies, most of the buildings, uh, put massive devastation on the island. And so what ensued is people were going around with machetes and holding people up or stealing their items or attacking them or threatening to attack them either for fuel or uh, there's reports that it was as as simple as a a can of tomato sauce um, that people went into their house with machetes to steal tomato sauce because there was no supplies. There's no food. There was nothing. And this is a U.S. territory. And it happened so quickly. It happened within days of, of Irma. Um, I mean, we, we hear about stories like this, you know, happening in, in you know, R- Rwanda or, you know, places in the Middle East that this is happening. But this is happening on U.S. soil. And we, that was, that was just a hurricane. What happens when there's civil unrest to the point that the police need to be militarized? Because you wouldn't militarize them unless you anticipate that happening. That that is that is happening at this point. And then we we talk about well, the strength of the United States. The strength of the United States is the U.S. dollar. That is that is our strength. Um, everyone in the world, you know, knows that if you have a dollar, it's worth more than anything else. That's how it's typically always been. Um, that's why, you know, American tourists was such a big deal because they go over there and they spend their American dollars. Um, and you have to buy oil in the U S dollar. Well, it, that's changing very quickly. And, and what I mean by changing is we are witnessing for one, the devaluation of the dollar. I mean, if you look last week, the Dow, the S&P 500, and the NASDAQ all hit record highs. Why? There's no good economic data coming out. I mean, Toys R Us is even in a downward spiral to the point that they're about ready to file for bankruptcy. Children are not getting, even getting toys. You know, but, hey, the stock market's wonderful. Everything is headed to record highs. But that's only because the dollar is losing its value. I mean, just in since January 3rd, the first trading day of 2017, the value of the dollar has dropped 11%. I 
I mean, it's dropped 17% compared to the, the Mexican peso. And everyone knows that after, you know, Donald Trump said, hey, Mexico's going to pay for the wall, and Mexico said, no, we're not going to pay for the wall. Everyone freaked out, and the, and the peso tanked. It's gained enough to where now we have lost 17% of our value versus it. The U.S. dollar has, has dropped 12% against the euro and 7% against the pound. I mean, we, everyone knows what's going on with Brexit. I mean, well, no one knows what's going to happen with Brexit, but everyone knows that there's turmoil. But yet the dollar is, is worse shape than that. It's, what, what we're seeing in the stock market is not something to be happy about. It's not something to be you know, really excited that, hey, you're making a lot of money now, and good thing you're investing in that 401K and and uh, you better not pull out because, you know, hey, you don't want to pay those fines. No, it's the value of the dollar is going down. And we're, we're witnessing, we talked about numerous times, a massive flow out of the United States into the euro and into the yen. Well, what's our response? Our response is we put sanctions on countries. Uh, there's so many I can't even name this year. One of the most recent ones was Venezuela. And we, we put sanctions on Venezuela, and then we said, Venezuela, you know, even though you don't have any money and all you have is gold and poor starving, uh, you don't have access to the U.S. banking system at all. We're, we're not going to allow you to have access to the U.S. banking system. And so what does Venezuela do is they decide that they're just not going to use the U.S. dollar. They're going to start, you know, selling their oil in, in the euro or – Go with everyone else and go into the yuan. Go, go with China. I mean, everyone's flocking to China at this point. I mean, everyone is wanting to go into this, this currency that's going to be backed by gold that you can buy oil with. I mean, that, that, is, that is the wave. That is where we are headed. But people don't necessarily want to realize this. And so the United States comes out and says, you know, China – Either, you know, you back us on these sanctions against North Korea or we're going to, you know, we're, we're going to be very mad. And so China's like, okay, well, you watered them down to where the sanctions against North Korea really are not going to do anything to North Korea, so we'll sign off on it. And then the very next day we, we say, oh, if you go back against these sanctions that we put on North Korea, we're going to limit your access to the U.S. dollar. We're going to make it to where you don't have the ability to use U.S. dollars. It was one day after they decided to vote along with the U.S. and, and Russia. And it was just – it was a watered-down sanction. It, was, it wasn't that strong. But right away, leverage is put on China to say, hey, you don't have the ability to have, gain access to the financial system within the U.S. or the dollar system if you don't support where we stand with North Korea. I mean, China is our number one trade partner. China has, you know, we have a $350 billion trade deficit, which means we buy more stuff than they sell, or we buy more of their stuff than they buy of ours. And they hold $1 trillion worth of our debt. That only amounts to 28% of our treasury bills, notes, and our bonds. So basically 28% of our debt China owns. So we are so dependent, we are so wrapped up with China, we are so involved with China that to actually 
threatened to wage economic war against China is is ludicrous. But that is what we are doing. And it's kind of to the point that we have to do that. We, I mean, things are decelerating so quickly. Things are breaking down so quickly within the U.S. economy. And, and not, not just in the United States, but how the dollar is viewed internationally. It, things are breaking down so quickly that they have to do something now. They have to move forward now. I mean, China just recently came out and just um, is is saying that they are going to stop allowing Bitcoin and the other electronic currencies. The reason for that is, well, hey, they already have a plan set in place to where the yuan will also be a digital currency. So, so they got all their bases covered. The yuan, you can buy oil with it. You can trade it in for gold. You can use it as a cryptocurrency. And everyone is looking for it. Everyone wants to join into it. China's already told their, their individuals, their, their investors, to not invest in anything that doesn't help with the Belt and Road Initiative. They're putting all in economically. And our response is say, well, you're not going to have access to the U.S. dollar. They, they don't care. <laughs> they really don't care. They're, they're going to make trade with everyone else. That's exactly what they have done is we pulled out of the TPP. What happens? Everyone signs with China. We're talking about pulling out of NAFTA. What's happening? Mexico talking about China, signing with China. It's everything is moving to the east. Corporations, they don't care. They're going to go wherever the money is. So their allegiances are to whoever pays the most. So, yes, we're trying to move American corporations back to the United States, but is it too late? Is it is it worthwhile? Is it is it something that's going to benefit us? Well, for a short period of time, when the only place that really uses the dollar is the United States. But then ultimately that currency will crash, which every single fiat currency in the history of the world has resorted to zero at one point, every single one of them. And the U S dollar is a fiat currency, every single one of them. So if we believe we are going to do anything differently, then we are going to break history. We are going to do something that has never happened in the history of the world. And they truly believe that they are able to do this. The Federal Reserve believes that they can do this. And that is where they're talking about removing the debt ceiling. So they can just basically print money at the Fed to oblivion. Because they're going to have to. There's reports that say that just the devastation from Hurricane Irma and Hurricane Harvey is $280 billion. Almost, you know, because your initial estimates are always really, really low. So I'm sure it's going to be a lot higher than that. So we can be pushing, you know, possibly half a trillion dollars to a trillion dollars if you want to rebuild. And then we have Jose that may hit New York. We have another hurricane that's you know, building after that, we have wildfires all over, um, you know, the western part of the country. We have 
earthquakes happening in Idaho, like hundreds of them happening in Idaho. We have, <laughs> we have a tropical storm that's, you know, hitting on the, the side of where California is. We're, we have earthquakes hitting in California. We, we have, you name it, we have it. And how are they going to rebuild any of this? I mean, one of Trump's main uh, points to get elected was he was going to help build infrastructure, build roads and bridges and dams and everything else. How are you going to get that money? Well, you're going to print it to oblivion. That's what you're going to do. And that's why they want to get rid of the debt ceiling. They have to. They have to because you're going to have to create as much infrastructure as you can before it all goes away. And that, that is the plan. Now, what's happening at the UN General Assembly is going to be very interesting coming up. I mean, we, we know that it's going on right now. Um, and it's in New York City. And Trump is going to make his, or I'm sorry, President Trump is going to make his appearance on Tuesday. And he's going to actually address the, the UN General Assembly. But this is not after he meets with the Prime Minister of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, on Monday. They're, they're going to have a private meeting the day before. And the big agenda that they're talking about is they're talking about how to redo the Iranian nuclear deal. That is the whole, the whole agenda with that meeting, is either they fix it or they get rid of it. I mean, that is that is the plan. That is seriously what they're talking about. I mean, we we actually had uh, Tillerson come out, you know, Secretary of State Tillerson uh, come out and say that they truly believe Iran has not been abiding by this this nuclear deal. So they already know that that is kind of the way that they're headed. So Trump is supposed to announce everything or talk to the UN on Tuesday, the same day that Benjamin Netanyahu does his annual speech as well. Now, Benjamin Netanyahu plans on talking about how he is not happy about Iranian troops so close to the Israeli border in Syria. And he actually went to Russia and said, hey, I don't agree with all these troops from Iran close to the uh, you know, Israeli border. And what does Russia do? They sign a deal with Turkey, Iran, and Russia, of course, and, and about a de-escalation zone in the northern part of Syria. So they make peace, basically, in the northern part of Syria, but then they reject the removal of Iranian troops on the southern port or the southern border. I mean, if you were, if that was a tell, if that was poker, and you were watching someone and you saw that move, you kind of know what their what their plan is. You kind of know where their alliances are. So Benjamin Netanyahu is going to talk about the, his displeasure in Iranian troops on the southern border of Syria during its seventh year of its civil war. I I thought that was ironic as well. The seventh year. And then on the same day, President Trump is supposed to talk about his displeasure with the Iranian deal. And also to gain partisanship, to bring everyone together, all 200 nations that are at the U.N. Assembly, 
the 72nd annual UN Assembly, um, to talk about joining in the same stance that they have with Iran and North Korea. Like, we're, we're actually talking about someone meeting with the Israeli government to talk about removing and breaking a peace deal or a deal um, that would happen with Iran or restructuring it and then gaining partnership of 200 countries to make a deal to go against Iran and North Korea. I mean, you, you can't make this up. And, and the crazy thing is everyone looks at trying to figure out a peace deal between Israel and Palestine. Well, that's just one aspect of all that's going on in, in the Middle East. We have the Kurdish re- referendum that's going to happen on the 25th of September. And the weird thing about this is the only like leader of a main country that has actually come out in support of the Kurdish referendum for them to have their independent state in northern Iraq is Israel. They are the only ones. Even the United States, mm, ah, maybe mm, ah, we should we should attack ISIS first. You know, you should maybe push this back. Even though the Kurds are saying we're not going to push it back, we're not going to stop this. And Iraq says, well, if you vote on this, we are completely against it. And if for some reason violence breaks out, we will use military action. <laughs> so that happens on the 25th, uh, the day after the UN General Assembly ends on the 24th. The uh, implications of everything that's going on are crazy. I mean, it makes you think of Daniel 9:27, And it just, in there it says, he shall confirm the covenant with many for one week. And then in the midst of that week, he'll break it, basically. Now, it doesn't necessarily say with the Palestinians. It says with many. Now, there's a lot of interpretation that can go into it and why people believe that it was just between Israel and Palestine. But I think 200 countries kind of fits. I think what's going on with the date, September 23rd, and the sign on Revelation 12 that a lot of people are referencing, I mean, that kind of, the timing is is interesting. The fact that this is the agenda for the United States and Israel, for the UN General Assembly that's held in New York City, is interesting. And this is just touching the surface of what's going on. I mean, North Korea just shot another missile over Japan. South Korea responds saying they will just, if they are provoked, they will destroy North Korea into oblivion. We've heard that before. But when is enough enough? When does this this get to a tipping point and and maybe we are at that tipping point considering what is happening with the u.s dollar considering the economic war that is going on and that the united states is losing everyone is moving to china and what i mean by everyone in the world i mean everyone in the world is moving to china or the the euro and well no one really knows what's going to happen with europe with brexit so you're safer bets with China. Why this is relevant? That is why this is this is so important to watch. Is because, well, if you're going to make a move, 
to kind of stop this economic transfer from the West to the East. And you're going to stop escalation in the Middle East for your allies, but you're going to increase escalation with others that are not part of the UN. Here's your opportunity. It's, it's laid out. This is your opportunity. You gain alliance from the 200 countries in the UN to go against Iran and North Korea. You drag their allies into it. I'm not making this up. This is all on the table. This is all being discussed. This is all something that world leaders that control our, all of our destiny are discussing at this point. And this is the plan on Tuesday. This is what the, the first ever Donald Trump speech in front of the UN is going to be about this. I think we all can, you know, connect the dots. I think I'll, I'll hand it back over to Matthew and see what you guys think. Well, we have Brian on the switchboard, so let's get Brian on to uh, uh, tell us how his week went and uh, his comments on your news diatribe. So, Brian, how's the week been for you, bud? It's been an all right week, I would guess. And comments on the news, uh, well, I'd have to say he pretty much touched on a vast majority of the uh, topics at hand here for certain within the uh, world scene. He certainly did. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you know, a lot of times we just focus on us and our problems, but take note that Something very strange happened uh, this week in Italy, okay? A thunderstorm just – well, it became stationary. This caused massive flooding in Italy, and at least six deaths were reported just in one town. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, it's absolutely off the charts. Uh, This week, September 11th… Federal assistance was approved for three more Montana counties. Um, uh, Let's talk about uh, Portugal. Did anybody know they was in a severe drought? Well, the Prego de Atar Reservoir in Portugal is dry. It's dry. Now… Ladies and gentlemen, this is just absolutely off the charts. We have these hurricanes erupt, and this came out on Market Watch on September 11th that Dow futures were up more than 100 points. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you can't plainly see that the stock market is over the rainbow, I don't know how to help you. Now, You can take this to the bank, that you first heard about the earthquakes in Idaho right here. And following that, September 11th, um, what, two days later after I reported on it, uh, this came out 
210 earthquakes detected in Idaho, experts say uh, 7.0 is possible, uh, but they're quite unsure why all these things are happening there in Soda Springs in Caribou County, Idaho. But take note, uh, you did hear that here first, right here, two days before then. Now, nobody's talking about the civil suits that have been filed. It was reported on Ynet uh, September 11th, same day, uh, that civil suits had begun to be filed against the Saudi government uh, for uh, the 9-11 attacks. Uh, J-Post released the same day uh, speculating whether uh, the Saudi crown prince made a covert trip to Israel. I mean, let's let's talk about this, okay? Straight from Space.com, September 11th, the same day. Monster solar flare marks seventh power for solar storm in seven days. The sun fired off yet another solar flare yesterday, September the 10th. It's seventh in seven days. The flare, which peaked at 12.06 EDT, covered North and South America in high-energy light. The National Oceanic and Atmospheric Administration Space Weather's Prediction Center released a statement that warned of strong high-frequency radio blackouts and navigation system disrupts, disruptions, possibly lasting up to an hour. Like the six other flares observed since, since September the 4th, this one came from a sunspot known as Active Region 2673 which is currently turning away from the Earth and soon to be out of sight. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, this is absolutely off the charts. Um, there are three categories of solar flares. The one Sunday was the highest classification X event. The uh, Two of the other recent flares were also X-class, including Wednesday, September the 6th, X9.3 flare, the strongest solar blast in 12 years. Ladies and gentlemen, something is desperately not right. Now, let's talk about uh, the island of Baruda. For the first time in 300 years, no one is living on the island. This from CNN. When Hurricane Irma ravaged the island of Baruta in the Caribbean, the first storm extinguished the isle's way of life and left a beautiful spot uninhabitable. And now, for the first time in a few centuries, no one lives there. The damage is complete, Ronald Sanders, the Antuga and Baruta ambassador to the United States, told Public Radio International. It is a humanitarian disaster. For the first time in 300 years, there's not a single living person on the island of Baruta, a civilization that has existed on the island too close to over 300 years has now been extinguished. Let's just talk about what's going on in Pittsburgh. Uh, this was released three days ago, September the 13th. I'll just read the headline. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this is from CBS Pittsburgh. Mysterious illness affecting wildlife, forcing police to shoot, kill animals, 
neighbors worried for their pets. In Ross Township, some people who live in Ross Township say something strange is going on with the wildlife in the area. They are concerned and wondering if it could affect them. Barbara Linginger, who lives in the area, says she's very worried uh, that there is a disease going around, she said. Could it be transmitted to people or our pets? This has been going on for about a area of Roddenboro Avenue. There have been raccoons and groundhogs coming out of the woods behind the houses that appear sick. Corrine Mayer says each time police are called. Now listen very carefully, ladies and gentlemen. They seem to be sick, does not seem to be rabies. The reason why they are saying they're sick is because they are not responding, moving, or running away from them, and they are listless. It's like they're dying, said Meyer. Police Township police say they shoot and kill five to ten animals a day, then toss them back into the woods. Ladies and gentlemen, there's no need for me to continue reading this article. To ABC News in Alaska. Same day. Walruses in Alaska may have died in a stampede. Okay, at this point... You should be worried. Let's read a little bit from this article. Thousands of Pacific walruses are coming to Alaska's northwest shore again in the absence of summer sea ice, and not all are surviving. A survey Monday of just a mile of the coast near the Inukwak Eskimo village of Point Lay found 64 dead walruses. The U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service told the Associated Press. Now take note. They plainly let you know that they found 64 in just one mile. They didn't survey the whole site because obviously what they would have wanted to do for public display was to pick an area that had the least amount of dead. I hope you realize that. But anyway, most of the animals were younger than a year old. Alarms going off. Ladies and gentlemen, alarms going off. The cause of death is not known, said agency spokeswoman Andrea Medereos. But stampedes set off when startled walruses rush to the sea, crushing smaller animals, are likely suspect. Our thinking is, because of the age of the animals, they were young animals. It is likely that they're caused by stampede, probably more likely than disease, given the age class, she said. Ladies and gentlemen, that's an outright lie. If you know anything about walruses, and I assure you, she knows that. This one is very disturbing from Park uh, – well, just let me read. Dozens of cattle recently died in the Shoshone National Forest along the Beartooth Highway after browsing on larkspur, a toxic plant that grows throughout the West. Okay, ladies and gentlemen.
So how many times have you heard of large amounts of cattle dying from eating larkspur? Do you know why you've never heard of that happening? Well, guess what? Anyway, right? Let's go ahead and, uh, and uh, read from this preposterous – I mean this is just ridiculous. Park County Sheriff Scott Stewart passed by the scene, and uh, based on his counts from the highway, figured that there was a minimum of three dozen dead animals. It happened overnight, Stewart said, because I was up here on Thursday, August 31st, and there was none. And then on Friday, September 1st, they were dead, lying all over the place. Now, ladies and gentlemen, to add insult to injury, listen to this. The wet spring is the culprit, according to Dan Takalia, assistant professor and extension specialist of invasive plant ecology at the University of Wyoming. Ladies and gentlemen, uh, just so you know, everybody, and I mean la-di-da-di, everybody knows they're in headlong drought as of when these dead animals were found. This just goes from preposterous to preposterous to preposterous. It, ladies and gentlemen, something is terribly wrong. It's the new cycle this week in of itself has just been mind-blowing to me. You know, let's talk about this. This came out September 14th. A very large sinkhole opens near the Apoca Middle School in Florida. No, really. This was no small sinkhole. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking about Italy. Let's just randomly talk about Germany. Storm and hurricane force winds kill three people across Germany. Ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, if you watch some of the videos, it would just blow you away. Windstorm Sebastian. Oh my goodness. Since when do you give windstorms names? Ladies and gentlemen, I checked all these articles and what really happened in German news, but this is the one I posted. It's uh, from the local. <laughs> anyway. Windstorm Sebastian killed at least three people in Germany on Wednesday as hurricane force winds up to 150 kilometers per hour were recorded in the north of the country. A man on a wheelchair was found dead in a river in the northern city of Hamburg, according to local firefighters. A pedestrian also died in Hamburg after he was hit by a scaffolding that fell from the seventh floor of a building. A 53-year-old man and a third person had to be killed in a storm after being crushed by a tree. near the West German spa town of Berlin. The man was working in the forest when a 20-meter-tall spruce tree fell on him. Ladies and gentlemen, 
And we haven't even talked about what's going on in the promised land yet. Let's 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 cover this one. I might as well. Something has been mysteriously killing the wildlife at Al Quadra Lakes. Just look it up for yourself. It's uh, happening in Dubai. I have no idea what's killing the animals. I mean, it's probably like what's going on in, I don't know, Pittsburgh. I've already talked several times about something that is killing the disease. Well, now it's rearing its deadly head in Connecticut. This was released the 10th. Infectious disease could be killing off deer in Connecticut. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, um, you're not going to like this first paragraph. Recently discovered die-off of several white-tailed deer in Portland, Connecticut, maybe due to hemorrhagic disease. You know that word, ladies and gentlemen, hemorrhagic? Well, that's not good. Ladies and gentlemen, there is something stirring the pot. And sooner or later, the four spirits of heaven are going to take over. I do hope you realize that. For a break, we're going to continue our excursion into the book of Job. Is Job chapters 31 through 33. We'll be back in 8 minutes, 23 seconds. You are listening to the End Time Tribune. The book of Job. Chapter 31. I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? For what portion of God is there from above, and what inheritance of the Almighty from on high? Is not destruction to the wicked, and a strange punishment to the workers of iniquity? Doth not he see my ways, and count all my steps? If I have walked with vanity, or if my foot hath hasted to deceit, let me be weighed in an even balance, that God may know mine integrity. If my step hath turned out of the way, and mine heart walked after mine eyes, and if any blot hath cleaved to mine hands, then let me sow and let another eat, yea, let my offspring be rooted out. If mine heart have been deceived by a woman, or if I have laid wait at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind unto another, and let others bow down upon her. For this is an heinous crime, yea, it is an iniquity to be punished by the judges. But it is a fire that consumeth to destruction, and would root out all mine increase. If I did despise the cause of my manservant, or of my maidservant, when they contended with me, what then shall I do when God riseth up? And when he visiteth, what shall I answer him? Did not he that made me in the womb make him, and did not one fashion us in the womb? If I have withheld the poor from their desire, or have caused the eyes of the widow to fail, or have eaten my morsel myself alone, and the fatherless have not eaten thereof, for from my youth he was brought up with me, as with a father, and I have guided her from my mother's womb. If I have seen any perish for want of clothing, or any poor without covering, 
if his loins have not blessed me, and if he were not warmed with the fleece of my sheep, if I have lifted up my hand against the fatherless when I saw my help in the gate, then let mine arm fall from my shoulder blade, and mine arm be broken from the bone. For destruction from God was a terror to me, and by reason of his highness I could not endure. If I have made gold my hope, or have said to the fine gold, Thou art my confidence. If I rejoiced because my wealth was great, and because mine hand had gotten much, if I beheld the sun when it shined, or the moon walking in brightness, and my heart hath been secretly enticed, or my mouth hath kissed my hand, this also were an iniquity to be punished by the judge, for I should have denied the God that is above. If I rejoiced at the destruction of him that hated me, or lifted up myself when evil found him, neither have I suffered my mouth to sin by wishing a curse to his soul. If the men of my tabernacle said not, all that we had of his flesh, we cannot be satisfied. The stranger did not lodge in the street, but I opened my doors to the traveler. If I covered my transgressions as Adam by hiding mine iniquity in my bosom, did I fear the great multitude, or did the contempt of families terrify me that I kept silence and went not out of the door? Oh, that one would hear me! Behold, my desire is that the Almighty would answer me, and that my adversary had written a book. Surely I would take it upon my shoulder and bind it as a crown to me. I would declare unto him the number of my steps, as a prince would I go near unto him. If my land cry against me, or that the furrows likewise thereof complain, if I have eaten the fruits thereof without money, or have caused the owners thereof to lose their life, let thistles grow instead of wheat, and cockle instead of barley. The words of Job are ended. Chapter 32 So these three men ceased to answer Job, because he was righteous in his own eyes. Then was kindled the wrath of Elihu, the son of Barakel, the Buzite of the kindred of Ram. Against Job was his wrath kindled, because he justified himself rather than God. Also against his three friends was his wrath kindled, because they had found no answer, and yet had condemned Job. Now Elihu had waited till Job had spoken, because they were elder than he. When Elihu saw that there was no answer in the mouth of these three men, then his wrath was kindled. And Elihu the son of Barakel the Buzite answered and said, I am young, and ye are very old. Wherefore I was afraid, and durst not show you mine opinion. I said, Days should speak, and multitude of years should teach wisdom. But there is a spirit in men, and the inspiration of the Almighty giveth them understanding. Great men are not always wise, neither do the aged understand judgment. Therefore I said, Hearken to me, I also will show mine opinion. Behold, I waited for your words, I gave ear to your reasons, whilst ye searched out what to say. Yea, I attended unto you, and behold, there was none of you that convinced Job, or that answered his words. Lest ye should say, We have found out wisdom, God thrusteth him down, not man. Now he hath not directed his words against me, neither will I answer him with your speeches. They were amazed, they answered no more, they left off speaking. When I had waited, for they spake not, but stood still and answered no more, I said, I will answer also my part, I also will show mine opinion. For I am full of matter, the spirit within me constraineth me. Behold, my belly is as wine which hath no vent, it is ready to burst like new bottles. I will speak that I may be refreshed, I will open my lips and answer. Let me not, I pray you, accept any man's person, neither let me give flattering titles unto man. For I know not to give flattering titles. In so doing, my maker would soon take me away. Chapter 33 Wherefore, Job, I pray thee, hear my speeches, and hearken to all my words. Behold now, I have opened my mouth, my tongue hath spoken in my mouth. My words shall be of the uprightness of my heart, 
and my lips shall utter knowledge clearly. The Spirit of God hath made me, and the breath of the Almighty hath given me life. If thou canst answer me, set thy words in order before me. Stand up. Behold, I am according to thy wish in God's stead. I also am formed out of the clay. Behold, my terror shall not make thee afraid, neither shall my hand be heavy upon thee. Surely thou hast spoken in mine hearing, and I have heard the voice of thy words, saying, I am clean without transgression, I am innocent, neither is there iniquity in me. Behold, he findeth occasions against me, he counteth me for his enemy, he putteth my feet in the stocks, he marketh all my paths. Behold, in this thou art not just. I will answer thee, that God is greater than man. Why dost thou strive against him? For he giveth not account of any of his matters. For God speaketh once, yea, twice, yet man perceiveth it not. In a dream, in a vision of the night, when deep sleep falleth upon men, in slumberings upon the bed, then he openeth the ears of men, and sealeth their instruction, that he may withdraw man from his purpose, and hide pride from man. He keepeth back his soul from the pit, and his life from perishing by the sword. He is chastened also with pain upon his bed, and the multitude of his bones with strong pain so that his life abhorreth bread and his soul dainty meat. His flesh is consumed away that it cannot be seen, and his bones that were not seen stick out. Yea, his soul draweth near unto the grave, and his life to the destroyers. If there be a messenger with him, an interpreter, one among a thousand, to show unto man his uprightness, then he is gracious unto him, and saith, Deliver him from going down to the pit. I have found a ransom. His flesh shall be fresher than a child. He shall return to the days of his youth. He shall pray unto God, and he will be favorable unto him. And he shall see his face with joy, for he will render unto man his righteousness. He looketh upon men. And if any say, I have sinned, and perverted that which was right, and it profited him not, he will deliver his soul from going into the pit, and his life shall see the light. Lo, all these things worketh God oftentimes with man, to bring back his soul from the pit, to be enlightened with the light of the living. Mark well, O Job, hearken unto me, hold thy peace, and I will speak. If thou hast anything to say, answer me, speak, for I desire to justify thee. If not, hearken unto me, hold thy peace, and I shall teach thee wisdom. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. To the end time tribune. Now let's uh, let's talk about Iceland a little bit, shall we? <laughs> I'm not done with them quite yet. Um, this was released Monday, uh, September the 11th. Strange appearance of a fire hydrant in the middle of an Iceland desert. I'll read the entire article. It's only uh, three stanzas. A blue fire hydrant has appeared seemingly out of nowhere. In Najahur Valley, in Iceland's most famous highland desert. Nobody seems to know where it came from or who placed it here. All I know is it's not connected to water. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, concerning fire, strange that uh, a man died in a fire in a South Iceland farm on the 15th. And a passenger plane made an emergency landing um, due to fire uh, on September the 14th. But that's not the only fires. Let's uh, talk about this. On Tuesday, uh, September the 12th, the Icelandic prime minister predicts another banking crisis. 
in an interview with Sky News. Prime Minister Kamautin said that uh, the last financial crisis in Iceland and predicts a new one, although he can't say when it will happen. When, I can't say. Humans make mistakes, and greed will lead a lot of people to bad decisions. That will happen again. He said, I think there's frustration from the outside world that things are not at least investigated. Really? Well, guess what? Four days later, same exact newspaper, come out with this. Iceland Prime Minister resigns. New election expected in November the 4th. Of course, this coalition government collapse uh, due to, well, the rape of children. So I guess that's what goes on in Iceland. And I hope that all you uh, Icelanders have gotten God's attention with your godlessness, as now you've been pub drug out into the public. You murder all the babies with Down syndrome. And then your government rapes the rest. We'll see how that works out for you. Because you have been in my prayers, Icelanders. I did want to bring this up. This was an absolutely amazing story uh, that was uh, uh, released on Reuters. Mexico steps up to unique triple disaster threat. Now, this article was very uh, – because nobody was putting two and two and two together uh, because they got hit with an earthquake. Look, this is just – this is just amazing what has been happening. Uh, down there in Mexico. So I really do think that uh, everybody needs to try to keep their eyes on the totality of Mundus Novus. We're not the only ones that's getting tagged. We're not the only ones. You know, we're not done, by the way, just so you all know. This week there is uh, another school shooting, and this came out. J-Post, this is a headline, Coming Home, the 120th Anniversary of the First Zionist Congress. Now, this literally tripped me out. This is a headline. I found it today, passed it off to Bry, and he was like, what? Now, this is real. This is from J-Post. Facebook listed Jew-hater as a category for advertisers. Now, they developed this algorithm for advertisements that had categories including Jew-hater, okay, how to burn Jews and history of why Jews ruin the world. I 
I have no commentary on that. It's just I I don't even know what to say. Brian, it is your turn to jump into the saddle. I think I've done as much damage as I can do. So your your comments on my diatribe, if you wish, or on uh, Clinton's diatribe, but jump in the saddle. Let's uh, let's ride. Well, I think I'm just going to jump straight in here. Uh, you know, one of the most interesting stories that I saw come up early in the week, I believe I saw it on Monday or Tuesday, uh, ironically enough, is something that I warned on air to keep an eye out for after a weird uh, suspicion that this might be in the workings. And here's the uh, headline to this. The first time I found this was in Herat's, and I had to find a couple of other ones because it's behind the uh, subscription-based paywall that they have for the site um, with a uh, that article. But nonetheless, uh, Israeli plan to annex Palestinian areas approved. The National Union faction, which is represented by the Habayat HaYehudi Party in the Knesset, approved on Tuesday a detailed plan for annexation of Palestinian territories as talk of annexation is increasingly becoming more mainstream in Israeli society. Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu attended the event, leading it, lending it an air of legitimacy. The so-called decision plan would either force Palestinians to emigrate to a neighboring Arab country or allow them to remain in Israel but without voting rights. Habiat HaYehudi member Bezazel Smotrick said the plan aims to present an alternative to dividing land between Israelis and Palestinians. Our vision is not new. These are the foundations on which Zionism was erected. We do not assume that there are are two narratives that are equal. There's one side that's correct and another that is undermining the right of Israel to exist as a Jewish state. We have to engrave in the consciousness of the Arabs and the entire world that there is no chance of establishing an Arab state in the land of Israel. Under the plan, Palestinians who stay in Israel would be forced to relinquish their national aspirations those who refuse would receive assistance to emigrate to an Arab country, and those who choose to resist would be handled by the security forces with greater force than at present. Palestinians would have the option of self-government, but they would be divided into three regional municipal governments. The overall objective is to dismantle the Palestinian National Collective. Observers note that talk of annexation has gained steam since the election of U.S. President Donald Trump, the most pro-Israeli president in U.S. history. In January, the Ministry of Jerusalem Affairs and Environmental Protection, Ziv Elkin, has called for the gradual Israeli annexation of the occupied West Bank. Ukrainian-born Elkin, who is the chairman of the ruling coalition in the Israeli parliament, the Knesset, and head of the ruling Likud parliamentary faction, told a conference at Berlin University as a first step, Israel might annex colony blocks that enjoy across the border legitimacy among Israelis. 
Many Palestinians believe the threats of annexation of the occupied West Bank are quickly becoming a reality. So, folks, this is uh, this is beginning to heat up in Israel, something fierce. And this story flew under the radar pretty much by all the major uh, media sources. It was just completely ignored all throughout the week. Now, right now, we have also talks between uh, Fatah, which is associated with the PLO and Abbas, and Hamas are basically beginning to work out their differences between one another and are calling for talks with each other coming up here, I believe, later in the week. With that as well, we just had a training exercise and the article came up here, Times of uh, Israel, and uh, this one kind of points it out the, uh, the best. Lieberman warns Hezbollah, next war will end with decisive Israeli victory. And they just had a massive training exercise called War in the North that happened this last week. And this goes hand in hand with a gripping announcement that there was a large amount of money allotted out of Iran towards Hezbollah in the last week, so... A lot of tension right now with Syria. There's been talks between Netanyahu and Russia as far as trying to get keep Iran and Hezbollah away from the borders there, but they've been kind of falling on deaf ears. Erdogan this week signed the S-400 deal into effect. It's a done deal. Down payment already transferred to Moscow, so this... Uh, Sort of kind of uh, throws things into disarray with NATO. And we had this brought up earlier. Venezuela reportedly denies dollar for oil payments after U.S. sanctions. So already we've got one nation that has broken away from the infamous uh, sanction crackdowns that America seems to be just lobbing at everybody one after another after another. We had Egypt court sentenced uh, Morsi to 25 years in Qatar spy case. The Egyptian court on Saturday sentenced ousted President Mohamed Morsi of the Muslim Brotherhood to 25 years in prison in a final ruling over a case accusing him of spying for Qatar, judicial sources said. That was uh, rather unexpected, I would have to say, in that circumstance. Now a few things here with Afghanistan. CIA wants authority to conduct drone strikes in Afghanistan for the first time. This article came out of the New York Times. And I would advise looking over this because there's also warnings in here that now that the right wing is in control of the CIA again, they're moving back to their uh, paramilitary-styled operations, which is... Well, with everything we have going on in the world right now, tells me you better keep an eye out for your atypical shenanigans pulled by the CIA because it's exactly what this article is definitely pointing out all the way across the board. I'll skip over that one. And this is a major one that I would suspect that almost nobody out there has heard of. Trump extends post-9-11 state of emergency. 
President Trump has become the third president over the course of 16 consecutive years to extend the temporary state of national emergency, which was imposed in the wake of the 9-11 terror attacks. The state of emergency gives the president considerable leeway to bypass legal limits surrounding the military and the use of the National Guard and Reserve Troops. Exactly how much this power is used is itself unclear as presidents have for years ignored a legal requirement to offer reports to Congress every six months on the matter. Well, to cut straight through to this, folks, this essentially puts a bar on the Constitution, therefore giving executive powers the ability to do whatever they want. And this has been put in effect since September 11th, and it just gets completely ignored over and over and over again when it's supposed to be brought before congressional oversight each time that it's up for renewal, and they haven't been doing this. So this just law just slides right through again. Nobody says a word. More than 6,000 Fort Carson troops headed to Afghanistan. So we knew there was going to be a troop buildup with the already... I believe the figures I saw earlier in the week that were stating that there was 3,500 troops there already from the United States. So this Afghanistan situation is going to keep spinning in circles. It's a massive drain on the economy. People don't even realize how bad this truly is, and it's just continuing to spiral out of control with no no strategy for any kind of solution to the problem, which, to be quite honest, America has become about 90% of the problem in this equation. When Taliban was cleared out shortly thereafter, September 11th, America stayed there on the ground, not able to even find any targets to fight their terror war against. So they got caught in the middle of the fight between varied warlords and personal squabbles back and forth and just continue to stretch this war out. This on top of it pulled Taliban back in and started the war up all over again. The main thing that is keeping this entire situation going in Afghanistan is the fact that the United States is there. But I guess people didn't really get the gist of what caused September 11th in the first place. It's due to the fact that United States was occupying several places throughout the Middle East due to the Kuwait September or the Kuwaiti and the first Iraqi war. We had forces that were there in Lebanon. And this is essentially what pushed, for instance, bin Laden and the other Islamist factions over the edge. And we continue just to keep sending more and more and more troops over there. And then this in turn is just basically causing more terrorism to boil up and then it's spilling over now into the European nations as we've seen with once again we had a uh, bombing in London this week with a train being hit and we had more sanctions dropped out here this week US sanctions 11 people and companies for Iranian activities and uh, as Clinton had brought up earlier in the program We've got this whole situation on the table with the major U.N. meetings coming up here again, and they want to 
break out of the Iranian nuclear deal, even though the IAEA and the other commissions that basically are doing reporting on it have shown no uh, breaking whatsoever of the treaty that was signed. So, you know, I guess we're back around to once again, this is America just does whatever it wants and gets away with it. So we'll have to see what they do this coming up uh, week here, but the talks are between uh, Netanyahu is also basically pushing once again for this entire deal to be broken. And with, you know, all the things going on there with Hezbollah, with Hamas, and with the Syria crisis and everything else here, the concern for Israel with Iran, to a degree, would be understandable. Now, we had the uh, Shiite Yemeni rebel leaders have threatened attacks on the United Arab Emirates territory and on Saudi Arabian, let me see here, Saudi oil tankers as well in this last week. And that's back to that same story. I mean, I essentially shot through my stuff pretty light and fast there, and I guess we can pop around stuff here for the last 40-odd minutes. Well, I've got something I want to throw into the mix, um, since how we've already lightly talked about the uh, cryptocurrency and China dumping it. What do you two think of this? Well, this came out September the 16th. Bitcoin with a sparkle. Israeli Diamond Exchange launching diamond-backed cryptocurrency. The world's largest diamond exchange. Now, now let's just let's just pause right here. You've heard me say this many times. You go to New York City, if you want a diamond, you've got one room that you can go to. When you go into that room, it's all Orthodox Jews, just so you know. Going on with this article. The world's largest diamond exchange said this week it is going to be launching a digital currency backed by diamonds in a bid to turn the stones into a viable financial instrument. Ladies and gentlemen, let us not forget that on August the 10th, Herats launched this. Russian entrepreneur launches Bitcoin, the first (laughs) – this is unbelievable – the first kosher cryptocurrency for Jews. Russian self-described serial entrepreneur is launching a digital cryptocurrency that, while amid at, while aimed at Jewish communities across the world, will be available internationally for Jews and Gentiles alike. He named his currency Bitcoin. Now, ladies and gentlemen, just so you all know, Cohen means priest. He said that uh, the first kosher cryptocurrency, meaning that a tenth of the company's earnings will be made available as interest-free loans to members of the Jewish community. 
The currency will be accessible during Shabbat, that Sabbath. But the company holds that this does not violate the rules of the Sabbath because the process is automated. The Russian government-funded media site RT explained the company is to be overseen by the Council of Six, an identified group of leading figures in the Jewish community. And a stylized Star of David on their website, Bit Cohen indicates that each member of the council will represent a different economic field in the community. Business, culture, finance, politics, public work, and technology, of course. Bit Cohen's initial coin offering, uh, used the nomenclature ICO, will be held in two months. It will sell... 100 million of Bitcoin at a starting cost of $1 each. A preliminary ICO, which RT reported is to take place this week, hopes to earn $1 million to help Bitcoin develop. Um, he says that he himself has invested a half a million dollars in the venture. I find it uh, rather ironic that September the 6th on Herat's, this was published. The jig is up for Bitcoin and its cryptocurrency pals, World News, by David Rosenberg. In the dreams of people holding Bitcoins and other cryptocurrencies, one day our money will be beyond the watchful eyes of the government. We'll no longer... <laughs> This is really what the article says. You know, I'm I'm kind of hesitant to read this, but uh, you should look this article up for yourself. Gentlemen, Let me get um, Clinton's take on this. Uh, this is completely separate uh, from the China thing going on and their their war on cryptocurrencies. Uh, what do you think about um, what the Jews are up to, Clinton, with their uh, cryptocurrency? Oops. Sorry, I dropped the phone. Um, but you know, I've heard about the the Bitcoin. Um, a Cohen, how you pronounce it, um, previously. And, you know, I, I thought it was an interesting concept to use the automation to, to be able to purchase things on the Sabbath. Um, I think it's just going to be a mix of a whole bunch of different um, cryptocurrencies that are rising. And, you know, the reason, you know, I, I was always enjoyed Bitcoin and Ethereum and, and those ones, but I always, in the back of my mind, kind of knew that the governments um, would not necessarily allow the power of the, the currency to be taken away because currency is a way to control, you know, assets, control people, control everything. And so why would they ever allow an exchange to relinquish that control? They could give the illusion of that, but to actually give away that control, I, I just have a hard time with that. And so 
you know, as we see these different currencies, you know, these cryptocurrencies rising, um, it's, it's just going to kind of um, develop into which one is the, the one that is the main one that left standing. The other ones can just be traded like an asset class. Um, the, the whole concept with the currency based off of the diamond is, is interesting and unique. And, and with the blockchain uh, technology, it may be kind of a, a common thing uh, to where every single commodity has its own currency. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like the, the, um, the, I can't remember, I can't think of the name right now, but basically when you trade on at the banking level, it's a, a mixture of different reserve currencies that are all thrown into a bundle and they're all based off of a percentage. And so depending on which the weight of a certain currency is, is how much that uh, bundle is worth. And, and so moving to where you have these different currencies for each commodity is, is an interesting concept, and it may take off. Um, I think this is just going to be one of those things that we are going to watch and see how the world responds to this, um, who gets the money invested in them and who does not. Um, with, with the Jews, I always think it's, it's very important to watch what they do um, because if anything else – they will be self-sufficient in themselves um, because they understand throughout their history that they have always been the outcast, always the, the world has wanted to destroy them. And so they are going to build a, a system to make sure that they are sufficient. Um, does the rest of the world adapt it? We'll, we'll watch and see how that works. Let me ask Brian this. Um, what do you think about the Jews utilizing, uh, well, what they control, diamonds, and its aspects toward its industrial usage? Now, ladies and gentlemen, you need to know this up front, that hardness is determined off the strength of the diamond. Uh, drill bits, well, ladies and gentlemen, it is… It's extremely hard, and it is absolutely invaluable for tooling and manufacturing just about anything. So, Brian, what's your, what's your thoughts on them switching up the game and uh, creating a diamond-backed cryptocurrency? What's your thoughts on that? Oh, and, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, diamond is not in the Bible. So, of course, it'd be kosher to deal with on the Sabbath, just so you know. Brian, your thoughts? Uh, I mean, I find it interesting as much as little as I know about the cryptocurrencies, I don't know that any of them ever backed uh, themselves up with anything. It's always been sort of a uh, almost an infamous make-believe currency here that's always had me a little bit on the confused side as far as how in the world it works. But, you know, as far as industrial uses go, I really don't know too much on that end. Like you said, it's I, you know, it's been brought up with drills and all sorts of other odds and ends it's been used with, but, I mean, I don't know. I don't really... 
that one's kind of had me baffled a little bit here. So, I mean, I personally have been always kind of uh, a little bit stunned that the uh, Bitcoins took off the way that they did when it's been basically common knowledge that that's mostly used with black market and uh, varied funding on the dark web and all the rest of that stuff. So it's been historically used a lot with terrorism and quite a few other areas. So I was rather shocked that it took off the way it did uh, earlier over the last couple of years. So, Well, I, I find it interesting uh, that it took off the way it did in the simple fact that it's obvious everybody knows the, well, the jig is up, just like that Jew wrote in the Harats. It's obviously the jig is up when people are so desperate they're investing in something that doesn't exist. It's literally uh, ether is what it is. But then Clinton said something that sparked off something, and ladies and gentlemen, he said… What if every commodity has its own cryptocurrency? It just sent a chill right up my spine because I remember. Let's see if you remember. I'll read it in the KJV. And the merchants of the earth shall weep and mourn over her, for no man buyeth their merchandise anymore. Now, I'm going to continue reading. No, I'm going to continue reminding you what God's word says. But just consider if what Clinton has put forward actually comes true. The merchandise of gold, silver, precious stones, and of pearls, fine linen, purple, and silk, and scarlet, and all the fine wood, and all manner of vessels of ivory, and all manner of vessels of precious wood, and of brass, and iron, and marble, and cinnamon, and odorous. And ornaments, and frankincense, wine, and oil, and fine flour, and wheat, and beast, and sheep, and horses, and chariots, and slaves, and the souls of men. And the fruits that thy soul shall lust after are departed from thee, and all things which are dainty and goodly are departed from thee, and thou shalt find them no more at all. The merchants of these things, which made rich by her, shall stand afar off for the fear of her torment, weeping and wailing, and saying, Alas, alas, the great city that is clothed in fine linen, purple and scarlet, decked with gold and precious stones and pearls. Ladies and gentlemen, if you take that list of commodities that it gives and kind of wrap your mind around, around what Clinton said. By the way, uh, diamonds are needed to uh, manufacture all the list that it just said. Uh, and yes, I should know about this personally because I'm also an expert machinist. Just so you know… Uh, you know the Dodge trucks that have diesel motors in them from Cummins? Well, I personally worked on those, manufactured them. Also, uh, big Komatsu motors, land, mo uh, land movers. Yeah, I worked on those too, on an H400 uh, machining center. 
And believe me, everything that they talked about there, the only way you can tool up to manufacture any of those items is got to use diamonds. So, ladies and gentlemen, just, just so you know, amazing how somebody can say one thing, but the only thing I remember is the Bible. That, that's what I know. So as soon as Clinton said that, that's what hit me. Ladies and gentlemen, just so you know, there where it says uh, human souls, that's psyche. I hope you realize that's twice in Leviticus, the 16th chapter. Ah, yes, the chapter of the scapegoat. It's in there twice. But I guess that's neither here nor there, is it? So, Clinton, what would you like to talk about offhand? We've got 20 minutes left. So much to to uh, talk about concerning these end times. One thing that uh, kind of concerns me is this um, debate that's trying to come out with uh, health care. Um, I mean, they're they're talking about having the Affordable Care Act removed or the Obamacare Act, whatever you want to call it. Um, and then, you know, we have a debate that's going on that there should be Medicare for all, um, that there should be health care for all, that, um, you know, or that it should be just, you know, if you can afford it, then you can get it or wh- whatever the debate may be. Um, concern that I have is anytime you're debating with people's health or debating with people's lives, um, it becomes very, very important. And what what is worrying to me is is we know that if they put in like a healthcare system for all or a Medicare system for all, uh, the cost would be just ridiculous. Um, there's just no way under the current costing structure that we'd be able to do something like that. Even though we are the wealthiest country in the world and that we should have zero poverty and we should have houses for everyone in this country and everyone should be able to have food to eat and we, we should we should not have these problems with the society that we have nowadays. Like if we truly got together and wanted to, you know, make the United States to where everyone had a house, everyone had <coughs> food, everyone had healthcare, everyone had universal income, everyone had all those, you you could do it. You feasibly could do it, but not with the current structure we have for money um you would have to dissolve that and it it seems like with the debate of all of these things all at the same time all being on the table at the same time and the ultimate deal maker in the in the presidency it, it seems like all options are available and so it's it's like okay uh we know that it's we're 20 trillion dollars in debt we have you know, hurricanes have taken out everything. Natural disasters have taken everything. Uh, we have a wall that we have to build that we uh, have been told time and time again that we are not going to approve any kind of tax plan or any kind of budget or anything unless this wall is approved. Um, and how we're going to get the money for that, I don't know. We have 
you know, poverty in California is just going crazy and the homeless population's disease is breaking out because of that. What if that is all part of the plan? I mean, we, we talked about the cryptocurrencies and we talked about everything going digital. Well, if they truly put together a system with universal health care, universal income, houses for everyone, they, you know, build up our infrastructure, our roads, bridges, everything. You build a wall, you build factories. Everyone has, you know, maybe not a job, but you have automation that takes a lot of jobs away from Americans to where people don't have to work as hard. I mean, this, this type of society is science fiction, but it's a type of society that is possible. It is truly possible. And I can see how, you know, with putting these, these things in place, how the majority of people would want this, you know, that, that they would truly want to, to have that luxury of, of life and that, and you can't really blame them, but at what cost that's, that's the catch. I mean, if you're going to put together a system to where it takes care of everyone on that kind of level, what is the cost? And, and I'm kind of curious of what, what you guys see is, is do you guys see these events kind of moving forward or do you see kind of, you know, things kind of dissolving even more or, I mean, how do you see all this kind of playing together? Well, I, I turned to my head. This was uh, early September 14th in Destin, Florida, height the disaster planning. It was released in all of Florida after eight elderly people died because uh, they didn't have air conditioning. And uh, oh, this is a direct quote. I'm spitting mad at the Democrat whose mother and a Jefferson lived at the home. She was checked on Thursday uh, at Memorial Regional Hospital for future recovering. We are elderly and a cash crop. And, you know, it also makes me think of this. Uh, the business management uh, daily come out on the 14th after an disaster. Who gets to take labels? This is a direct quote from the article. Employers are free to fire workers who show up for work even during a mandatory vaccination. Has no value, and what we have value to is the retrial. It's not real anymore. Clinton, let me show you this question about this week. It's all a physical therapist for half hour. The bill was eight hundred three dollars. Okay. That means that $1,600 an hour. An hour. So, how much do you think that the physical therapist was being paid? I mean, 20 bucks an hour, maybe? 
I'll say 50 bucks an hour. Yeah, um, you, you're kind of breaking up, so I'm having a hard time understanding you, but um, so I didn't quite understand the question. Okay. My wife got charged $1,600. Does a physical therapist get paid per hour, do you think? Definitely not $1,600 an hour, maybe. Yeah, maybe like 30 bucks an hour, I can guess, or maybe 50 on the high end, but not $1,600 an hour. And we agree that where that money went was to the stockholders, correct? Yeah, definitely to the corporation, yeah, to the stockholders and the corporation, yeah. This cannot go on, and everybody knows it. I mean, involved or benefited from this with my life and physical therapist. Don't you realize that this creates a perfect ratio? This is how the ratio works. This is how we rule in the United States, ladies and gentlemen. Clinton said his maximum number was 50 an hour for the physical therapist. Well, what percentage is $50? Out of sixteen hundred, this is what's happening with the healthcare. This is what's happening with everything. The stock market takes it all. All. I mean, human life has no value. It has value to stocks. Yeah, Brian sends me a message that I'm breaking up pretty bad. Um, Brian, your thoughts on that? Well, that's the whole thing is the entire – the entire reason for them trying to regulate the medical industry in the first place is due to the fact that it's a complete and absolute racket. Um, You know, everybody – for instance, here at my home, we have my wife's medical bills are covered through Champus, which is, you know, obviously the military's um, insurance. And I go through every one of those bills to look at what's charged for each one of those procedures and how much is paid. And the amount for the procedures is absolutely just completely ridiculous. And without anything being done to fix what's happening with these outrageous prices being charged with the medical industry, it just keeps putting everybody into more and more and more perpetual debt. You know, and there's there's other aspects on the table. You know, they keep trying to attempt to fix this economy, but nobody seems to look at the fact of how much money is being spent by the intelligence agencies the military, and for waging all these nonstop wars. I just, none of this stuff is taken into account for, and the economy continues to spiral and spiral and spiral out of control. They bring in new budgets, they bring in new balancing, whatever it is, you know, with the little stuff 
the meetings they have with Senate and all that garbage just goes absolutely nowhere when they just refuse to acknowledge the major problem in all of this. I mean, the amount of uh, spending that's happening behind the scenes, just with the intelligence agencies alone, is utterly ridiculous. And they could be pulling money out of those areas, but they don't. Brian, can you even hear me at all? I can hear you, but it's just like I said, there's like a digital distortion coming through. Off the top of my head, it sounds like your internet might be getting hit by something. Maybe we passed the two-hour mark where you – well, no, you're running the switchboard. You can't call back in. If I am, we're done. But uh, my staff icon is just spinning. I'm surprised you can uh, put it into the floor and already figure out that somebody's hitting the right board. So, uh, which is okay. Um, I'll be talking. Uh, but, Brian, you've got the rest of the show um, going as, as long as you would like. Um, we have, uh, uh, well, three minutes you can go on, but obviously I'm going to have to bow out. Um, I don't know when I'll be my side section, so you have the remainder of the broadcast, so be sure and uh and got you guys' websites and all that good stuff before you sign out. But that's the last you're gonna hear from me. All right. <clears throat> well, I mean you know, it's like I brought up. I mean, those are the main factors that are not being addressed, and I don't know if you've got anything to add into that, Clinton, or not. All right, I'm getting complete silence on my end. Can you hear me still? Yeah, I can hear you, but now there's no Clinton's not coming in at all. The switchboard is going haywire, too, so just sign us off. All right. With that said, uh, thanks for joining us, everyone, uh, and uh, God bless.